0: Welcome to Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams Recovery Podcast. My name is Denise and I'm your host. Just a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated with any specific recovery program and is open to any people in recovery. The opinions are of the guests only. Please subscribe and leave us a comment on Amazon, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, or any platform that you listen to your podcasts. Today, I'm happy to have with us Gigi Langer. And, of course, Gigi is returning to the podcast. For those of you who listen regularly, you know that she's been here a few times. We're glad to have her back today. Gigi is the author of the award-winning 50 Ways to Worry Less. It illustrates how she has overcome alcoholism, codependency, and trauma to discover the love at her center. Drawing an idea of A Course in Miracles, The 12 Steps in Positive Psychology, Gigi shows you how to become a loving, open-hearted person, with firm boundaries. Langer holds a PhD from Stanford University and has been sober for over 35 years. And that is the excerpt on the back of her new book, Love More Now, um, Facing Life's Challenges with an Open Heart. So welcome, Gigi. I'm glad to have you back. And how are Mm -hmm. you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm so glad to see you, Denise. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) You're one of my favorite people
0: <laughs> it seems like it's been a long long time it's good to see your face and i know you've been really busy and of course now we've got love more now now 50 ways to worry less was such a good book as far as um for me you know being sober while it was in having anxiety disorder that book was really helpful with the whispered lies and all the different Uh, tools and everything in it and you know when I finished that book uh, you just wanted more and there was nothing that followed and I thought hmm and then of course love more now is perfect because it's a segue right after that and it just really you know once we do all the work and we are going through the different tools and things you have in 50 ways to worry less it just seems that this is a natural progression into uh-huh. unblocking ourselves and letting love into that and getting that I really thought all the way through reading the book, I really thought a lot about emotional sobriety. And that mm. you know these tools were for emotional sobriety. So you know we're gonna do a little bit different today. Um, normally I mean we have a little bit different format. We don't need to ask you what you've earned in your <laughs> from your recovery. We can definitely tell So I think that for the book, I mean, it's just come out the beginning of the month. And I think that the best thing for us to do is just give everybody a little snippet of what's in the book and uh, not too much because, of course, we need them to go buy the book. But let's start with a couple of things here. Like, I just went through the book a few things I really, really liked um, just to give people an idea of what's in there. The first thing was really... The most important thing, I think, was the four barriers to love. Um, When you talk about, you know, us not being able, us having the barriers or being blocked, maybe you can explain to people what the four barriers to love
1: are. Sure. And the big picture there is that um, inside of us, our hearts are our, our source of wisdom and love and true self uh, some think of it as a higher power in there, maybe outside, inside. But the point is that things that we think and do and believe are blocking the connection between our hearts and the loving power that's trying to come into us. So these blockages, um, you'll recognize them if you're a 12-step person because they're from page 86. When they and, and the 10th step at night, when they ask us to look at how was I resentful? Um, what were my self-centered motives? How was I self-deceptive, dishonest with myself? And I added one, which is self-condemnation. So the one in the big book is the fourth one is fear, but that's really the umbrella for all of them. They're all self-centered. Fear is the driver. And so so in the resentment, yeah, you know, it's, Uh, Well, I might give the example of when my husband started drinking again, you know, I thought I was really wanting the best for him. But when I looked at it, I was resentful that, you know, it was an inconvenience and my apple cart was turned over, you know, my self-centered motives. I was afraid he'd mess up our uh, finances. You know, I had to look at all those. Um, My self-deception, you know, I went to Al-Anon and got a lot of help with that. And um, and also, I think when something scary happens to us, we, at least in my case, quite often, it's the whispered lies start saying, you can't handle this. Everybody else can handle this. What's wrong with you? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, they're really, really good starting points, like really good things to look at. And then when you're talking about that, I mean, you could really add to the list as well. Like when you're talking about fear, I'm thinking also that it all really encompasses motives, right? Right. And yes, we have to really check our own motives, check our own, like you said, self-centered motives that, you know, it, we can take the situation and turn it around and have it completely be about how it affects us.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: so I think that those were really helpful starting barriers. Thank you. Know, you. If a person doesn't know where to kind of start now. The other thing is, is there was a couple of things here, I just want to make sure that I get them somewhat in a little bit of order, maybe talk about the thing I found was interesting too was the bit on the perfectionism. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of the flip of all of this that you're just talking about. So how does that fit in?
1: Yeah, there are. Um. These are what I would say for me, the perfectionism, one of six uh, kind of other patterns that block our hearts based on fear. The perfectionism is one of my favorites (laughs) because the whispered lie with that is if you don't do this perfectly, or if you make a mistake, nobody will love you. And so often these um, six were formed in our childhoods as a way to create an illusion of safety So since I didn't feel loved and accepted, I did feel loved and accepted in school, right? So I got, you know, ended up getting all these degrees because getting, being smart was one thing that made me feel good about myself. Mm. The problem is later in our lives or midlife, somewhere in thirties, forties, these turn around on us and start not functioning as protective habits, but block ourselves to love. So in the case of perfectionism, I not only judged myself, but I judged other people because what, a, you know, the three fingers pointing back at us. So whenever I was a perfectionist with other people, so when I worked with them, you know, I expected them to be perfect and I got critical and then I got, uh, it t- it took itself out in my body. Uh, all that tension about trying to be perfect. So I had back problems, shoulder problems, and so on. So life kind of wakes us up. If we're lucky and we're in a recovery program or in therapy or working with a spiritual advisor, we begin to see some of these old patterns that used to be self-protective, but are now getting in our way. Yeah. yeah,
0: And I can see too, that that's a very common thing for many of us who suffer from addiction is that this perfectionism and then the interesting thing is we've talked about the four barriers to love and talked about perfectionism and each thing comes back to the whispered lies right the biggest block it seems that we seem to have always comes back to the whispered lies and undoing those and changing them and So the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting is that you go through, you see what the blockages are, you look at perfectionism, um, and you also touched on difficulty with aging and illness on page 117. Do you want to touch on that a little bit?
1: Sure. You know, the, the title is Facing Life's Challenges with an Open Heart. So obviously we start out explaining you know what's an open heart, what's a closed heart identifying all the things that block our our um, the access to love and wisdom of our true self. And um, when we faced, and then I thought, well, there are some specific life challenges, so you know, one of them is obviously worry about a, a, a loved one and um, that's in there. But this one um, about aging, you know, that's an illness. Um, it's, it's uh, I think one of the biggest challenges because uh, I've been quite influenced by A Course in Miracles or what a simpler version is called Attitudinal Healing. And my blog this month is on that. Um, but the whole point is that I am not my body. The essence of me is this true self my in my heart, uh, source of love and care and that theoretically goes on, even if my body passes. Yeah. So it's somewhat of a comforting thought, uh, but still I'm a human being <laughs> and I have my survival instincts and my fears and so on. So it's, a uh, you know, living on this earth in this human body, but learning that we are spiritual beings. It's a kind of a delicate dance between falling into the fears for our bodies and then um, trusting that everything's in perfect order and my security is not dependent on my body.
0: It's very interesting. And I think something that everybody will be works at, do you know what I mean? On a daily basis and will be working at probably to the very end, but it's a really good, I don't think the topics brought up enough. Mm. And so I was really glad to see that in the book as well.
1: Um, Thanks.
0: So moving along, let's see here. What about, um, what about if you touch on a little bit about, let's start off with the daily routines to open your heart. Do you want to talk mm. about that first or do you want to, these two kind of go hand in hand. Do you want to talk about uh, on page 54, the growth practices first, maybe the growth practices and then the daily routines, which way do you, would you like to do it?
1: Mm-hmm. um well, let's talk about the main point of it all it is to uh, dissolve the blockages that are closing my heart to myself to a higher wisdom and to other people. So there's an image in the book of this you know person with their heart all locked up and blocked and the the point of the whole, Um, spiritual or growth practices and daily routines is you can almost think of it like we're flowing love from our higher power, our loving energy, however we think of that, into us with these growth practices and the daily routines. And they're coming into us and dissolving those blockages. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do some work. And um, that's where the growth practices come in. But basically, um, the growth practices are all about, you know, the most obvious one: meditation. The research is gangbusters just uh on physical pain and the yeah. effect of meditation on physical pain. Well, one explanation would be that this flowing of love in is a healing force and takes us away from that self-pity and and worry that goes along with physical pain. Um, but it also then dissolves so many of the whispered lies, like, you know, I can't live with this. Uh, if this doesn't happen, it's going to be horrible. And so because we are Uh, we have been conditioned in our families of origin and maybe through unfortunate love lives (laughs) Mm -hmm. to believe certain uh, lies, whispered lies about ourselves and other people. One of my big ones was men cannot be trusted. So, of course, I went into a relationship with that belief and then it manifested because that's what my mind was full of. So the point of the growth practices, and there are so many and 50 ways to worry less now, uh, is to dissolve those. Some are very direct, like um, Byron Katie's The Work, where you say, is it true? Is it true? And you do the turnarounds. That's a little complex, but it is illustrated and, uh, in the first book. The, 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 the daily routine is that I want to keep what I call my serenity bank filled up, my sanity bank with daily practice. So for me, because I'm in a 12 step program, I go to my meetings. I meet with my sponsor. I do service work. I read spiritual literature um, and have a spiritual path that I work every day. Uh, And that's for me, a course, in miracles. And, um, you know, I, I still work the 12 steps. So That is one of my daily practices. Many people have the meditation and prayer. We need to do that too, however that works for you. But basically those daily practices kind of flow that love into us. And uh, anyone who's tried this, if they try meditating before they write or give a talk or do something scary, if you do that experiment or pray, however works for you, you'll find... That the thing you were afraid of, that you prayed about, goes way better because you meditated and prayed beforehand. Yeah. So, part of that is because the the fear was washed out and replaced with this wisdom and courage.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I think that that I think any particular daily practice of anything is completely necessary to keep us moving in the right direction of where we want to head. You know, it's important to have that structure and it's important to have those repeated kind of daily rituals as well. Now, what about, um, I was really kind of intrigued with this price of urgency. Can you
1: explain that? Oh, yes.
0: That got my attention. I completely understood it, but I thought, "Mm, you know, that's another interesting thing we don't talk about.
1: Well, it all relates to that idea of uh, the power of now, being in the now moment and being present, because um, that is the only instant that really is, is real, is what's happening right now. If I'm thinking about the past, I'm remembering something and then conjuring up interpretations that are all invented and usually based on my old fears and protective uh, flaws, or if I'm thinking about the future, usually I'm trying to figure out how to control it so that I won't be hurt or someone else won't be hurt. <laughs> so you know, the the future and the past, even though we live on this earth and we do need to think of those because learning happens that way. Our connection with our true self and the heart and the wisdom comes when we get still enough and quiet enough, as in meditation or other ways where we can settle in and receive some of that wisdom that can come from from that place. So that is the um, the key thing is to connect with that. And you were asking, I'm, I've sort of lost the trail there. You were asking about the now moment. Yes, the urgency. So Price of urgency. in Yeah. The urgency is that I'm constantly thinking about the future, but I'm not just thinking about it. I'm tense and anxious and trying to control it. So I have this talk I'll be doing for 100 women this Sunday. If I get into that urgency of I got to get this right and I got to fix it and I've got to do it, then I'm pushing out. um, I'm blocking off my heart. And my access to the wisdom and the guidance of that heart, true self. And um, that isn't going to serve myself very well or God very well or the people who are listening. So the urgency really is a, um, a game changer, you know, in terms of keeping us off, off the square when we need to be on the square in this moment with our higher power and wisdom guiding us.
0: Yeah, and you know, everything that you're talking about, it's, you know, even with this price of urgency and things, it seems to that the whole thread is, is that to be in touch with our true self, it was really the only way that we're going to get to any authenticity. You know, not going to get that authenticity in that state of urgency, or if we are thinking, you know, about other people. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to just wrap up. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here and I just really, I mean, there's so much in the book that I want everyone to go get this book. This book is just amazing. And um, I hope it is part of a whole bunch of series because I mean, now we've read this, we just <laughs> want more after this.
1: <laughs> and, Thanks.
0: Um, so maybe just in we uh, with just a couple of minutes, one thing that really got my attention in the end was, this political conflict in world events, not necessarily those topics, but you talked about how to kind of navigate through those situations when people have differences of opinions. And I mean, everything has been so different in our world for the last three years. And um, people are very, seem to be a little bit more aggressive in their approaches to things. And, you know, everyone just has a lot of different effects of I think COVID and isolation and a lot of things. So what would you have to say about that in closing?
1: Yeah, I didn't put this in the book, but shortly after 9-11, I heard Marianne Williamson speak, and she mentioned that uh, the the world, quote unquote, won't be fixed until there's an individual change and growth uh, in each individual person so that we become people acting from a place of love rather than fear. That, that was an interesting concept for me because it it frames the whole thing of um, my only job here is to unblock my heart so that I can act and, and participate in life from my heart and from my wisdom. So what that has to do with the political realm is um, this is very divisive. And the whole part of the second part of the book is about relationships and how we and this is, of course, in miracles concept, but we separate ourselves from one another when we in our minds, uh, when we think they are thinking the wrong thing or they don't agree with us or they've done something that bothers us. So once we separate, we've basically cast them out of our heart. And so that is not God's will. You know, God's will is to love one another uh, but it also means that we can have boundaries. So even if I choose not to engage with this person because all they want to do is talk about politics, I can still see the true self in them and the, the spark of God in them, the divine spark. In this political situation, you know, I lost one dear friend just because I asked her if she had listened to a particular politician actually, you know, all the way through a speech and. She she never called me again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it is fraught with fear, but I think the main thing is we, even watching television and hearing someone being interviewed, and we think, oh well, they're not right. Da 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 da. da. Well, we are not doing God's will by casting them out of our hearts with condemnation. You know, it's yeah. it doesn't do anybody any good.
0: And to just see beyond, you know, it's like anything um you know if we're at or alcoholic we want to be we want to be seen as more than just the addiction you know we need to see people more than the politics more than the religion that you know and you're going to get situations where people just you know can't have an open heart to that and can't just accept it and let it go and i think everybody's lost people in the last few years over one thing or another and so it's just a really good I just thought it was a good little topic to add in the book and to just Um, thanks give us an idea of to just navigate through real life and just be aware you know the book makes us really mindful of all the different things that can block us so Gigi as always it's been amazing having you here think I'm going to start calling you Dr. Love. And, uh, (laughs) you know, but it's just the book is something else. Like I've read it. I had the opportunity to read it earlier, as you know, and appreciate that. And, um, you know, then I read it, then I got the hard copy, and I've read it twice. And Charlie's going to read it, but I'm, I'm like, hardly wanting to hand the book to her to give it up because I keep going back to it. (laughs) So it's going to be a book you know, to read over and over and over. And I highly recommend anyone in program out of program in addiction. I mean, this is just a good like the 50 ways to worry less. It's a great just life book. And you know, one thing just in closing that I think of when you're talking, I went to a conference one time and there was a woman 99 years old and 69 years in recovery. And someone wow. said, what is the secret? And she said, to be living right here, right now. Mm. And, you know, so that's, I think now is the magic word. So Gigi, thanks so much for joining us today. And good luck with the book. I know it's going to be a hit. And I can't wait for book three. And it's mm. always wonderful to talk to you.
1: Thanks so much, Denise. I really appreciate your support, reading an advanced copy and your helpful comments. It's uh. I cherish our friendship. So thanks again.
0: So take care and we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. All righty. Take care.